Happy Game Awards to you, Hunter. It was a fantastic time being at the Game Awards with you live in person. The invitations we... came in the mail about a week beforehand, oh, and we yeah. got to go. Oh, yeah. They were uh, they were begging. Jeff Jeff called me on the phone uh -huh. and was like, can we please yeah. get the old, some old gamer action out there? Absolutely. And so, yeah, we flew in. It was dope. I have to applaud the Game Awards because, man, top to bottom, what a funny show. Great A comedy in there. Good show. Lots of good stuff. It's great that they took my advice and they hired uh, a comedy writer. Um, I Now, my next piece of advice, you should pay them. Um, <laughs> and let them write. <laughs> and let them write. So they hired a comedy writer, did not let them write, uh -huh, uh -huh. and did not pay them. Right. But, you know, right. kudos for making the attempt. Mm -hmm. I think that it's really noteworthy that Jeff Keighley appeared alongside Gonzo yeah. in a sketch. Oh, man. And it felt not good, yeah. which is tough. It, it, it's tough to be in a sketch with Gonzo yeah. and the sketch fail. Because right. let me tell you, nobody watching is going to blame Gonzo. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, if you're in a sketch with Gonzo and it's not working, you're like, wow, this room hates me yeah, right now. Man. I am the one ruining I, this sketch. When he came on screen, I had an earnest cheer of joy. Like, I was so stoked for what we were oh, about yeah, to get. Oh, love Gonzo. And then yeah. it was, yeah, it, boy, what a sad little thing. Uh, it was awkward. It was, yeah. it was really bad. Whoever was doing Gonzo uh, was obviously not into it because they're... The the person on the other side was uh, just a Jeff Keeley to talk to, just a producer. Well, yeah, their sketch partner was Jeff Keeley, and so there you go. Yeah. I mean, and, and like I said, no one is going to blame Gonzo for yeah. a sketch not landing. Wow. Oh, uh, well, there, Hunter, yeah, congratulations to you. Uh, Alan Wake Two did sweep. You did it. Your ad campaign uh, clearly uh, had an impact. So can, you know, good good for you. You did it. It did not sweep. It it won. It, it didn't win the final award, but it won best game direction. Isn't that the only award that it won? It won others. It won the. Doesn't matter. It won the only one that matters, uh, which is the directing okay. award. Which to me is, oh. <laughs> you know how um, at the Oscars. Uh, the award for best original screenplay every year is my favorite movie of the year. Uh, that's how that award works. Everything else is always fine, and whatever ends up winning best original screenplay is the movie I was into the most uh, before even setting foot at the Oscars. Yeah, best original screenplay is kind of coolest movie right. award, <laughs> right. basically. That's kind of... <laughs> the, the cool guy, number one, will yeah. be that, and then best picture, of course, will be will be something uh crappy uh, i mean i got i got no qualms with uh the various games that won awards yeah. i think the awards went to the games that deserved it the most in a challenging year um i think you know i mean everybody's written what's so funny about the game awards now is that there's this like very predictable cycle where it's like the game awards happens well first they announce the nominees everybody's like we know exactly what they're gonna do uh -huh. and then the game awards happens it sucks <laughs> and then people just write about how it sucks and right. we just do that every year and clearly you know we call we've already called jeff Keeley out once for being in a bad sketch with gonzo and it being all his fault not gonzo's uh -huh. fault because that's ridiculous but it is interesting that jeff Keeley, i don't think really reads yeah the stuff i think he's know? impervious to criticism i don't think he cares in the slightest and if anything it's part of what makes him a little bit leather jacket like it, there's all these really weird parts of jeff Keeley that i think are really cool even though yeah. everything about him is not cool these little things sneak through every once in a while and it's just like he does this awards show he's hell-bent on doing this awards show and nothing will stop him nothing can stop him he's the terminator of exactly this weird kind of overproduced advertising campaign schlock <laughs> but he's so good at it yeah and he is like i it's the type of thing it's it's the type of thing where it's like he's almost like a politician yeah where i'm like he sucks i don't like him but if we get rid of him we might get something worse right you know <laughs> what i mean pete like, Buttigieg. pete Buttigieg <laughs> as a gamer <laughs> yeah so it's like i don't know what to do with him i mean like i don't I mean, he's obviously like very difficult. I think to to really enjoy a horrible suit, by the way. Yeah, I I saw people people were writing that the fashion was really good at uh, the Game Awards. It I was. mean, some people some people were great. Yeah, uh, Jeff Keeley was not. No, that, his suit 
was unbelievable. <laughs> and he, last year, his suit was unbelievable <laughs> as far as like how bad it was. Does Jeff Keeley just not know a tailor? Like, just get a well, tailor. No, he was like a rich guy. Here's dude. the truth of all of this. That I, at least I think, I don't know how much like people pay to put their stuff in the game awards, but my perspective is this Jeff Keeley is trying to do something a rich person should have to do. And I don't think Jeff Keighley is that rich is my main thing. He's been just like a games journalist of like relatively like w popular stuff. But like Jeff Keighley is not like, you know, big money. Jeff Keighley is like normal rich, maybe. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't see where Jeff's money could be coming from. Okay, outside where are you just, like, he gets this? paid. <laughs> my point is he, he can't actually afford like really good suits and stuff. That's my take. That's why he's always wearing fucking tennis shoes with a suit. Let's go! All right, and welcome to the old Gamers Almanac. I am your host, Hunter Donaldson. I'm joined by my co-host. Me, Matt Martins. Hello. Uh, I'm I'm excited for today because today is a day where I get to sit and learn and ask questions. We are talking about EverQuest today. Uh, and there's <laughs> some specific reasons. There's going to be a lot to get into. But Hunter, I've, as long as I've known you, I've yeah. known you were an EverQuest person. And yeah. I have, what I realized recently... Uh, you were streaming some EverQuest. I turned it on. That was the first time I had ever even laid eyes on a single frame of EverQuest. Right. Somehow I've never looked at it even slightly, even though it, I know it has been a part of your life since you were a Wii-in. Since I was a Wii-in, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so EverQuest is a very important game to me. Um, and I played it in uh, 2000 when I was 10 years old. Mm -hmm. um, and then it was very important to not just me, like my entire family. Yeah. I, I had like an EverQuest family, basically, where we all just played a lot of EverQuest. Wild. Um, if you do not know what, what EverQuest is, it is a precursor to World of Warcraft. It is a massively multiplayer online role-playing game. Mm -hmm. Um it was developed by uh, Varent Interactive, which was sort of a spinoff of a, a studio called 989 Studios, which made Twisted Metal 3 and 4, which is Weird. obviously also very important to me. Um, they were some sort of like Sony, like second party, uh -huh. sort of owned by Sony, not quite completely owned by Sony. Yeah. I'm not sure what the relationship was. However, they made EverQuest. It comes out. It's, it's a hit. Yeah. And then Sony consumes... <laughs> and kind of buys them yeah and um it it is a game that 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 comes out it finds an audience and it sort of takes a genre that like already existed um there was there were uh mmos as early as like i don't know there was the original neverwinter nights came out in like 1991 yeah and that was like some sort of aol uh mmo yeah that was like D, &D based and uh there were, I don't know how many people that could play it at once, but there were like, you know, we, we weren't anywhere near where World of Warcraft would go. Sure. But there, yeah, there was a, there was a uh, kind of foundation for what yeah. EverQuest would be. There was also a, a thing called a uh, MUD, which is a multi-user dungeon, mm -hmm. which I believe is like sort of a simulated multiplayer D&D &D type thing. Yeah. Uh, where you are not all uh, playing at the same time. Uh, but you can like sort of participate in a, a yeah. dungeon crawl type adventure um, all at once. But EverQuest is like a full 3D, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the exactly what you think it is if you're thinking about World of Warcraft, but like older, crappier looking yeah. uh, and weirder yeah. uh, mechanically. S something I want to sort of note about the scale of EverQuest, if you don't know much about this game, uh, and, and I personally wouldn't fault you, I'll talk about my history with the genre in just a minute, but just so everyone knows, the most recent release of EverQuest, uh, the, the last time this game was updated was the Laurian's Song expansion, which was December 6th, 2023. That's last week uh, there was 
a release yeah. for this video game made in 1997, 99, 99. 99. Yeah. There you go. So for 24 years, this game has had a yearly expansion at least yeah it has 30 expansions yeah this game it's interesting to talk about the, the different eras of everquest my experience of this game is that uh they launched their first expansion which was called runes of kunark mm-hmm. um which repackaged the base game in with itself and that's where i jump on mm-hmm. runes of kunark comes out a year after the original everquest comes out um, which is in the year 2000. The original game comes out in 1999. Um, so that comes out. Me and my family all jump on board. And then there's this series of expansions that follow. Uh, one, The next one is called Scars of Elias, which it, uh, adds like a, a ice continent, which mm. uh, might make sense if you've played WoW. Uh, <laughs> that kind of general. The jump. first one adds like a goofy new uh like jungle continent uh-huh. um second one is an ice continent the third one is called shadows of luckland it adds the moon um so we can <laughs> oh kind of sidestep a little bit there uh uh the fourth one uh is called planes of power which uh essentially wraps up i would say all the story threads of everquest mm-hmm. um, and planes of power is sort of in a way i would say the sort of payoff to everything and is kind of the natural end point for the game. Now, after Planes of Power, um, a lot of stuff changes with EverQuest. Um, one of the main things being that its sequel, EverQuest 2, launches, mm-hmm. and so does WoW. Yeah. Um, and WoW kind of destroys the the marketplace and makes it so that it is the main game and always will be. Yeah. Um, but a, a kind of very strong uh, community for EverQuest stuck around, and um, it's now managed by a company called Daybreak Games, which is like, obviously they seem to be like uh, doing a really good job of like kind of uh, keeping watch over these old MMOs and keeping them in mm-hmm. the conversation by just releasing yearly updates. Um, and yeah, uh, so that is kind of like what, that's kind of where EverQuest is, like the whole scope of, of its history. You yeah. have this like kind of core story that happens with these first couple expansions. And then after that, things kind of shift wow comes out and really kind of changes everything well let's maybe talk about wow for just a second because my my perspective of this game has always been i didn't even know mmos existed until all of my friends started playing wow right and then i i joined in playing wow with them and Mm -hmm. so that like that's the first mmo i ever played and uh you know wow is known for sort of like changing a lot about that type of game and making it like i don't know very simple to just like hop in and stuff but like wow feels like a fairground kind of that's that is the 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 philosophy of the game is like these little hubs you go get all your little quests you go into the surrounding area you do the quests this is how you level and then there's like raids that you do there's instances that are things that you you group up with other people and and you do those things but everything feels very like packaged very like this is where you get this slice of content is in this little spot and then this spot over here is where you do this slice of content and i would later eventually play a game called rift with sun sanders which was just one of the many mmos that wanted to come out and be something and was nothing but uh sun and i played it a lot in college but it was that exact same philosophy it feels like every mmo since wow had a need to be that kind of a game, the same kind of just like, here are your slices of content that you can digest or whatever. And something I've never understood about the time before WoW is what did it feel like to play these games before someone came through and sort of like put the corporate brush on it and made it like really, really approachable or whatever. What was the MMO? How would you have defined an MMORPG before WoW? I don't know how I would define it in general, but I can tell you about how EverQuest did it. Yeah. Um, because yeah, I, I don't have any experience with the genre besides EverQuest. Right. And then, you know, when WoW comes out, I, I jump on board uh, that. And I also played some EverQuest too as well. EverQuest in comparison to World of Warcraft, I, I agree with your characterization that World of Warcraft is like a very like player friendly type of experience mm-hmm. that sort of says like it has guideposts everywhere. It says here's where you go to do this. Um, here's where you go to do this. EverQuest, by comparison, 
doesn't really hold your hand at all and in fact sort of populates the world with complicated rules and mm-hmm. interactions that it kind of in no way explains and sort of expects like the audience to fill in all of the gaps and is very unfriendly when it comes to um, your time. It, mm-hmm. it actually doesn't respect your time, which is a plus, <laughs> I, say, I think. I think that it's actually kind of a plus. Um, World of Warcraft is like really almost like an arcade game of MMOs compared to EverQuest, which is more closer to something like D&D. Yeah. So um, what's the easiest system I could use to break this down? Okay, so you know, in World of Warcraft, you're going to play this game with uh, your friends. And one of the things that you want to do is spend time with them uh, and do stuff with them. And there are some, like, difficulties with that. Like, if you all start playing at the same time and some of you play Horde and some of you play Alliance, it might be hard for y'all to play together, but it's really just that, like, kind of, you know, there's two teams. Yeah. Eventually you'll be able to play together. It won't be a big deal yeah, or whatever. Right. But uh, there's two teams, essentially. In EverQuest, they decided that there'll be good races and there'll be bad races, much like in WoW. But instead of them being like kind of even at all, they're not. (laughs) All of the numbers are just kind of like wonky and asymmetrical. So for good races in EverQuest, there's like, there are nine good races that you can play as mm-hmm. in EverQuest. And each of those races uh, has a city that uh, is available to them for a starting location. And actually, the humans have two cities. Um, <laughs> and actually, technically, the half-elves don't have a city dedicated just to half-elves. So there's like a bunch of... There's like nine cities, and they're all good. And then there's evil races, which uh, there's three of those. <laughs> and the evil races can't play with the good races. Uh-huh. Uh, which is tough. But the good races also have trouble playing with each other <laughs> because they start in all of these separate cities that are all over the 3D world of EverQuest. They're on separate continents even. So if you want to play together with your friends from level one, you actually have to like do quite a bit of like communication and Uh you sort of have to compromise a little bit on like what races you want to play Mm -hmm. um and each race can't play every class and you have to like know this going into it like you have to have already known that these things are going to come up later and get in your way or whatever (laughs) yeah um so coordination is key when it comes to playing everquest with your friends because in general the game doesn't make it easy for you to do anything um Travel in the game and navigation is pretty uh, is pretty much a skill in and of itself. Mm. Um, you have a compass in the game, which doesn't work until you build up your skill for like knowing what direction you're facing. <laughs> so like the compass will appear, but it just scrolls in every direction at once. Wow! Because you don't know how to do directions yet. That's what kind of game this is. Uh-huh. Um, it's it honestly, it's sort of my Morrowind. Like if you <laughs> okay. like Morrowind, you would and you like the jank of Morrowind. Yeah, yeah. And you would probably get down with EverQuest. Um, one of the most ridiculous aspects of the game is that uh, if you want, let's say you're traveling from one continent to another, there's a couple ways you could do it. Uh, you could buy. Uh, there are wizards that get like certain spells that allow them to like teleport to very specific places on the map. You could, if you had some money, you could pay a wizard to do that for you. Some, some people do it for free. They'll just do like taxi services. But if you don't have that, then you just have to take a boat across the ocean. Um, and th- these boats, they take like real time. <laughs> like it takes like 20 minutes oh my for the boat to like take The physics are actually going to travel across the entire ocean and you're just going to sit on it the whole time. Well, okay, so the so the game is, as you can imagine, divided up into, like, loaded zones, yeah. they call them. Uh, and for some reason, they also made zones for just, like, open water. Um, and there's not just open water. It'll also be, like, there'll be, like, little islands out there. Uh, there's probably also, like, evil creatures out there that, that might try and kill you. Raid bosses they put out in the middle of the ocean sometime. Um, and 
yeah, it's 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 just a game that that really doesn't care about being like the easiest thing to play. Yeah. Well, it's what's fascinating to me about that is because I mean, of course, that is what WoW uh, is doing. But WoW is living in kind of like a almost like a not quite post matchmaking world, but like that that concept is certainly more popular uh, by the time WoW comes out or or like servers in general. W- what I always note about wow and other mmos approach to multiplayer is like here are the things you can do that are multiplayer and we will give you sort of like lobbies and ways to put those things together so that you can play the multiplayer content but there's something kind of inherently weird about that logic to me which is to say it's an mmo it's a massively multiplayer online game and there's multiplayer parts of the game where like there's people running around when you're leveling and stuff and you can like technically level with other people in WoW, but it doesn't like necessarily serve you any real purpose besides being online with your your friend necessarily. But what you describe in EverQuest is it's like if you want to accomplish anything, there is a reliance on the other people playing the game to get to do anything for the, I mean to, at least to, at a certain point, right? Like it is is that yeah. like the reality of it is you can't really play the game Without you could boot up WoW and have it be disconnected from online, and you could play a large amount of its content, right? Whereas EverQuest, it sounds like there's like a lot of things you just would not be able to do if you were playing it like divorced from other people. Yeah, so that's I yeah that's that's entirely true. <laughs> what you just said, correct. Um, I think that <laughs> yeah, it's like later on uh, MMOs decide to de-emphasize the idea that you need to play with other people. EverQuest, you have to play with other people. You yeah. really have no you have no choice. In fact, it's kind of awkward, um, right. EverQuest. EverQuest has like a social awkwardness to it um, because, let me break it down like this. An EverQuest zone will have like a couple different w- like ways for you to level up in it. And mm-hmm. obviously the goal of any MMO is to experience the content in the game. Um, there's no end of the game, but there will be like raid bosses yeah. that you will experience. Um, so you want to get to max level so that you can go on these raids and get cool gear, yeah. I guess. I guess <laughs> MMOs have like a weird, like why do people even play MMOs? Anyways, <laughs> um, let's say you have a zone. There's going to be like enemies in the zone that you can fight. Some of them will be just like wandering around and that's like, a, those are probably going to be lower level enemies that are like not very much fun to fight and maybe you could fight those by yourself but in everquest it takes a really long time to level up i mean even from like a low level it takes a long time to level up so you might not want to just fight those uh mobs we call them uh because they're it's just going to take even longer for you so there in addition to the wandering mobs there will be like camps and at these camps there will be like higher level mobs that spawn like every you know, five minutes or something. It's mm-hmm. not often. It's not frequent. Yeah. Um, but there's going to be a group of players that are already at that camp <laughs> fighting those mobs. Yeah. And if you want to get in that group, you're going to need to ask them. <laughs> you cannot just walk up to the camp. Uh-huh. And, well, you could. You could try and snipe. like bypass yeah. the group right. and snipe the... the. But that is uh, bad etiquette and... That is the kind of social space that EverQuest is. So you, so yeah. you have to know like how to behave. Well, and can they? Can the other players just kill you? Like, is it is it like open no. season on? Okay, all right. No, when you're hey, on unless like you're a playing side. on a PvP server, okay, then you you cannot just kill other players. Um, but you could like, I don't know. I mean, you could talk to like a, a GM about it, uh, which a GM would be like someone that works for the server whose job it is to like you know police interactions like this. Yeah. And because it's bad etiquette, I'm sure it would actually be enforced that like, hey, you do not have this camp. You cannot yeah. like be trying to like pull these mobs or whatever. Interesting. Well, I want to hear more too then about like kind of the story side of this because I mean, to, to me, like you're describing something that is, and I think anybody who's actually hooked on MMOs is always engaged on a story level to some extent like that because mostly like from a there's content being doled out and so you're you're forced to sort of at least pay some attention to that content right that's true of wow that's true uh, of final fantasy 14 there's stuff you're you're meant to engage with but you said there the, this like builds up to a head and there's like a final moment there's like an ending to this first few years of everquest or whatever right what is the action of like getting on each day like what 
how are you taking part in sort of that ongoing storyline? And like, I mean, what was it like in the early 2000s is essentially what I'm asking to be to be like a part of that active ongoing storyline that felt like it was building up to something. Um, It didn't necessarily feel like it was building up to something. It's just that the, the world of EverQuest uh, has like very deep like lore yeah. that is heavily based off Dungeons and Dragons. Um, there, there is a whole pantheon of, of deities and you have to choose one to mm-hmm. worship. Mm-hmm. And these deities uh, sort of have like cultural ramifications that are expressed in like the world design and in the environments. And sort of as the expansions were coming out, they kept ramping up your level of interaction with the lore. Mm-hmm. The way the characters interact with the lore, it's very similar to World of Warcraft where essentially if you're starting a new character yeah you're interacting with the story a little bit those like early zones might have uh, some very basic storyline stuff that's happening but once you get to the end game you're like raiding the main you're you're fighting characters that are important to the overall story and the way that everquest expressed that was basically through these deity characters they would sort of just have you go kill them eventually and a lot of the first uh, series of expansions of everquest were about learning more about these characters and then ev- eventually uh, uh, slicing them up yeah. and uh, and fighting them being done, them being done whatever. With that. Well, yeah. what has always fascinated me, you've basically always regaled me with stories of EverQuest, but the stories you've always told me are like the way weirder parts of EverQuest. I think the first story you ever told me, you were just trying to express how much weirder EverQuest was. This is like 2006 or something. This is like, WoW has finally completely dominated the market. You know, maybe the first expansion is out or something like that. But you were, I remember you telling me about players discovered like just a room that was sort of like a void space of some kind or something. Like maybe it wasn't intended to be there or there was like a room with like, just a ring of pots and some, there was oh, some the great room. the pot room and there was some great mystery attached to the pot room and just like things like that that the developers would just sort of never say anything about you didn't know that content was like out there and people would just uncover it and it would lead to these like strange mysteries yeah like a lot of the a lot of the art design of everquest is like very loose and silly um like the other day i was streaming um the game and i someone reminded me that in one of the zones I was in, which was just kind of this incidental, like low level zone. Uh, there's a chessboard, and it doesn't do anything. <laughs> there just is a chessboard, uh, and that's just because they put that in there. Yeah. And there's a lot of they just put it in there for fun, uh, <laughs> kind of stuff in EverQuest. So uh, obviously, this is actually the pot room thing actually kind of makes a lot of sense to talk about because we've already talked about how difficult it is to just get around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, travel is not easy. And one of the main things that you kind of struggle with is just walking around. Um, but yeah, there was this uh, there was this very strange room called the pot room, which was sort of the only source of teleportation uh, besides those spells I was talking about earlier that wizards have that allow them to teleport with their groups. But um, basically, there is a zone called uh, that was called Timorous Deep. It's like an ocean zone that has like some islands that you would go through on a boat, and in the middle of open water, like in the top corner of the zone, there would be this like buried underneath the water, like structure that had like a hole in the ocean floor that if you went through it, you would fall into a room that had no water in it anymore. (laughs) And in that room was just a fireplace, a skeleton that was like an NPC. It wasn't an enemy. Uh And you could like talk to him for like some quest. And then there were all these pots and each pot clearly looked like it had to do with like one particular culture or race. Mm. And it was representing like all the different cultures of Norath. And if you stepped into one of the pots, it would just teleport you to whatever city corresponded to that pot. And they they were unlabeled. So you had to just figure it out based off art. Um, And it used to be that you could make it so that whenever you died, you could respawn there which was very useful. Um, I think they eventually took that out as an option because it just made traversal easy. Way too but, easy. I mean, yeah. it's, is it easy? It's like, it takes a long to, time to get out there. You have to set up there. a death respawn. And... Yeah, there was also like a named like dragon boss 
that would sometimes like hang out over there. So you had to look out for that. That's and funny. because I mean, if that found you on your own, doesn't matter if you're max level or whatever, it'd probably kill you. Yeah. Um, probably kill you in a couple hits even. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the pot room, that was an interesting thing there. I mean, there's a lot of like very weird, um, EverQuest stuff, uh, that I don't necessarily want to like spoil all of that now because I, I, I would like part of the reason I want to talk about this yeah. game is because, um, there is an emulation project that has kind of just started. It started in uh, October. Um, and there have been a couple projects related to EverQuest that are about sort of trying to capture what the game was like in the early days. There was a, a project called Project 99 uh, that sort of preserves the vanilla build of EverQuest, um, which I think is uh, really, really cool. Um, the problem for me is that I actually did not play Vanilla EverQuest, yeah. so I don't really care so much about its scope. Right. But a new project started called Project Quarm, which very specifically explores the era of EverQuest I played, which is, like I said, those like first couple expansions. And the way it works is it launched in October, and every three months, they are releasing updates. And every nine months, they're going to release one of the expansions. Mm -hmm. So right now it is vanilla EverQuest uh, without really any major updates. Um, but it's going to kind of be a, a time capsule to experience all of the, you know, cycle of yeah. EQ that I played through right. uh, over again. And uh, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I, that, that is my like kind of announcement for this, uh, week is that I'm going to be playing EverQuest probably on like a weekly basis starting in January. Uh, I, there's a couple players in the community that have already kind of gotten into Project Quarm. There's going to be like a video in the show notes that explains to you how to get involved with it. I feel like I haven't done a very good job of telling you what EverQuest is, but if you know what an MMO is... I'm then... very intrigued by all of this. I mean, maybe you feel... I mean, you know how much is under the hood, but even your vague descriptions so far have i feel like i want to do this even if i know it will not be a particularly easy to do like an easy thing to just like hop into i i want to try to like learn more about this this progression uh, alongside you in whatever way i can yeah so th there's a couple of us that are that are playing um we are so we have like selected a continent that we have started on, uh, which is uh, Fadewer. Okay. Uh, which is there's three there's three continents in Vanilla EverQuest. Um, <laughs> Fadewer, which is like a smaller one, where that's where like the elves live. The wood elves, the high elves, uh, and dwarves and gnomes can all start there. So mm -hmm. if you want to roll any of those races, you'll have a really easy time joining up with us. If you don't want to play as one of those, then you're gonna have to hike to Fadeware in order to play with us until we get higher level. Mm -hmm. So we're going to stay on Fadeware until probably like level 15, level 20. Um, and then we might come over to Antonica, which is the largest middle uh, continent uh, where a majority of the uh, races start. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, uh, play with us. We're, <laughs> we're going to be playing through. I mean, my hope is to back in the day, um, the very first character I ever played was a wood elf ranger. Named? And I decided I don't remember what the character's name was. Oh, I made on. I made a bunch of different characters. Yeah. And I don't. Okay. I know I named one. I don't think it was this character, but I did name one of my EverQuest characters after Cipher uh, <laughs> from Final Fantasy VIII. Yeah. But I don't remember. I don't think it was that one. I think it was like an Igsar character, mm. uh, which is like a lizard lizard man type uh, <laughs> character. Uh, I love yeah, how nerdy all us. of this makes you. I, I just, I really love how you having to explain these things. Like you were doing it the other day. You were trying to express to me like the notion of if I was going to get started, like what would have to go through. And you just started telling me about all of the locations and you started sort of like in your head mapping out like, oh, you could do it this way. And you could like, oh, if, oh, 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 no, no, no. You could go this, this route. This would be a different way you could do it is if you were a gnome and you started this way and just... I don't know. There's there's like a kind of infectious. It reminds me of you and Cole talking about StarCraft where there's just there's something to a game someone has like incredibly deep nostalgia for 
and if they're at all able to like convey that to you and that's why this project is so fascinating because this is something hunter you and i have wanted to do a version of this for as long as we've talked about like making content together a long time ago we wanted to just like make a youtube show where we visited old dead mmos and treated it like parts unknown with anthony bourdain and just like let's investigate this this weird place that we wouldn't actually be playing it though. We did it like one time and the reality is they're empty, right? So many of these games. EverQuest these days isn't necessarily empty, but it's also not the game you played then. And so it would lose right. that appeal of like actually showing people around because it's not the around that you were around <laughs> basically. And so I, I am like deeply excited by these kinds of projects existing. I wish I had done a little bit more of wow has been doing a progression server thing you know wow classic exists and they've been yeah. working there they're on to the wrath of the lich king the third uh, or the second expansion now no they might be on to the fourth one or the th- whatever the, i keep saying third and fourth uh they're they're well past when i played wow right and i wish i had at least hopped on wow classic for the period while they were doing burning crusade basically because that's kind of like when i played it into the beginning of wrath of the lich king so it's like when these types of events pop up I feel like I just have to encourage listeners like you got to jump on this stuff because these things really don't come around very often. And the hardest part of uh, MMOs and a lot of multiplayer games in terms of a preservation standpoint is even if you can preserve the game, very rarely can you preserve the experience of what the game actually was when it was, you know, at its height or whatever. And you know, there, there's not going to be quite the population in this Project Quarm that there was in original EverQuest days, but there's enough interest behind it that you'll get like a sem- you know, a facsimile of of that experience. And I just think people need to like dive on those efforts because they they don't come around very often and they are like little time capsules you have to you have to be there with. It's funny that it was a moment you had to be there for. And what we're kind of saying is there's a new moment that you should be there before because it's going to it's also going to go away again later. Like this project will eventually finish. And then I don't know, maybe they reset or something or maybe they one and done and it's over and you just never get to experience that again. Well, I mean, it's going to be years. Right. Basically, sure. This project. So I, I love that, that it's something that I can kind of just keep up with uh, as the updates roll in. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I th- I think it's going to be really fun. I also just have a lot of love for pre-World of Warcraft MMOs in general, yeah. not even just EverQuest. Yeah. Uh, I played a lot of, and I've been talking to a lot of people in the community about pre-WoW yeah. MMOs, but like Asheron's Call, yeah. Dark Age of Camelot, <laughs> which had a really, really good uh, like PvP uh, thing called like, what was it called? Siege mode or castle mode, something like that. Um, very, very cool. Uh, Planet Side One, yeah. which I had infected you with uh, Planet yep. Side hype a long time ago, and then I don't think you ever did. You ever get to play the original? We 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 sat down and we played it one time, but the servers weren't particularly active, and it was pretty tough to accomplish anything in. But it, yeah. it took us a long time to get running on like a mid like a, an early 2010s crappy laptop or something and then even then yeah, yeah it, it was it was this was like in the hype of planet side 2 being about to come out and then right i think planet side 2 was more or less a success but it's also like that's a kind of game too that is like really for a very specific audience right these games are not mass appeal and that's what makes them way cooler is they're like they are trying something so much more specific than you know, WoW and even Final Fantasy fourteen these days, uh, you know, th- those are going for broad market appeal. But these other things feel like crazy experiments with a ton of money behind them or whatever. Right. I also, um, Star Wars Galaxies, yeah. uh, which was the first, like, Star Wars MMO uh, before the Old Republic. Uh, I followed the development of that game, like, week by week wow like i i was on their like forums and basically paid attention to every single little morsel that they dropped about that game i was obsessed (laughs) yeah with the angle they were taking with it it was very very strange and didn't pay off and then they got basically sony made them change it to where the game just kind of sucked and was boring (laughs) but it had this like animal crossing vibe to it oh really like the original star wars galaxy was like all it like mostly it was so strange because it was like hey it's a star wars mmo this should be about like lightsabers and like you know pew pew bullshit (laughs) but instead they were like oh it's gonna be about player cities and you're gonna be able to be a dancer if you want (laughs) 
what? And it would be like, yeah, it's about every, every like, there's going to be like non-combat occupations that are like important to have like their own progression that you can do. It wow. was wild and unnecessarily creative mm -hmm. for the Star Wars IP that basically could just be, you know, the sim like they could have done the simplest, like essentially EverQuest with Star Wars skins and called it a day. Yeah. And instead they were like, this is all about player cities and you're going to vote on who's the mayor. <laughs> like, and it's like, what? Yeah, that's wild, man. I'm, I wonder if there's been Star Wars Galaxies uh, re-roll there, ha there servers. have been. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there, there've been pre, um, it was called the combat upgrade is what they called like the horrible uh, <laughs> changes to that game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so there, there are emulation projects that simulate Star Wars Galaxies like pre-combat upgrade. I was there for all of that. This was like, yeah, yeah. like to me, video game history that I was 100% active and participating yeah. in uh, when I was like, from like the time I was like 10 years old until until WoW comes out, which is like when I'm like, I guess like 14 or 15. Yeah. So it's like a good five years there where I'm really into it. And then WoW comes out and it's sort of like, it just kind of destroys the market. Yeah. Um, and like I, no shade to people that like wow i know it was a very important game to a lot of people and i played it a lot too i mean i i would kind of check in on it for every expansion yeah. for a while um it just didn't have the grit it mm -hmm. didn't have the the silliness yeah. that everquest delivered um and it didn't have the forced multiplayer right. like, that's a key ingredient it feels like to yeah me. it sounds like to me at least yeah because yeah. my, my experiences with mmos were mostly a very lonely experience that's the wildest that, that that's why like i have this actually like a opposition to mmos is i could never i never played as often as all my friends i i was almost never max level in any mmo because it would take you know and wow it would take like a long time to get to max level that was a very long right. process and everybody else was way ahead of me so you were lucky if you got to like level with somebody else and uh when i played rift with sun was the only time the two of us were we just like made a blood pact and we're like we'll play together we will just play this game together and we we always did that the two of us got to max level i never even i've never done a big raid in an mmo um and in terms of like the 20 man raids or whatever actually that's sure. almost true one time we had a friend in high school that was very into wow uh and he i went over to his house one time and he was supposed to be doing a raid and he his friend that played with him uh was supposed to be in the raid with him and couldn't and he was like you should hop on and do this raid you know you can be this guy and I didn't know how to play a max level character. I didn't know how to do a raid. And he was like, you can just be, I think he's just a healer or something. It won't be that big of a deal. Uh, anybody who knows anything about MMOs would know that that is a preposterous thing to say and that the healers are like the only thing keeping the raid together to a certain extent, uh, depending yeah. on the, the scale of the thing. But so I hop into it and I start, I start trying my best. And within two minutes everyone in the like text chat is like what the what the fuck is going on with so and so what's going on and like everyone starts screaming at me and i had to just log off and leave <laughs> like because it was so apparent that i was screwing everything up and just getting yelled right. at and i was like i never want to do a raid this sounds like the worst <laughs> experience ever it sounds like a job a, a terrible homework job that i don't want to do and mmos have been well. like soured on me since and it's because of that mentality though right there, there was this like sect that was like this is the thing we do in mmos and this is what they're really all about and i never got to experience this everquest side of things where it's just like I, there's just like weird stuff to do all over and like player expression stuff to do all over oh uh, no but no 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 so uh, raids <laughs> for everquest are still like that no like i know they're, they're tough they're tough but what i'm saying is there's at least the alternatives i'm not saying raids are better in other games i'm saying in everquest like the getting around and engaging with other people is more interesting than the me walking around smacking 10 kobolds to earn the experience to go turn in the quest to go to the next area to smack 10 wolves to like just that on repeat that is my entire like mmo experience is just doing that kind of trash yeah also uh everquest doesn't really like everquest quests are very uh strange because they have this system where you're supposed to talk to like npcs uh-huh like you're supposed to like type things Oh, like you're supposed to have conversations oh. with them. So like you might meet a, so you, you will come up to an NPC and you'll say hi, uh, which is you, you say hi by pressing H. Uh, and then you say hi, and then they'll say a little paragraph. And in that paragraph, there'll be like 
a key phrase that has like a parenthesis around it. And then that is telling you that in order to continue the conversation, uh-huh. you need to say something about that. <laughs> uh, so you, you, you then respond to them and then they give you another paragraph dump with more conversation to have. So you actually are supposed to have conversations with the NPCs. Now, what's funny about this system is that they will go to any part of the conversation. You don't have to do it in sequence. So if you know the last thing that you need to say to them in order to prompt them for the quest, you can just say that. That's hilarious. Basically, Weird. Um, but yeah, and then you get to wow and it's like you just like right click the... Yeah. the the NPC with the little like exclamation, uh, exclamation point, over point. Their yeah. yeah, 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 and it all just happens like automatically. Now, EverQuest was way weirder with that, and also there's very little balancing around quests. Like, there's not just like quests everywhere to do. Yeah, mostly they just expect you to just kill monsters, <laughs> and that's it. Like with no like, there's no like. Here's what you do. Uh-huh. It's just like nah, just go out and kill monsters all day and earn experience guess, and level up and that's it i don't even know what you are in everquest yeah like story-wise like what you're doing right you just are someone but, that lives in a world where all you do is kill monsters okay but explain that to me then so then like what is the actual tangible hook do you log on and your friends just decide to go fuck around in an area and see what you can find or like would you just sit there and kill wolves for four hours so that you could level up to like i don't even know what get the next glaive that you wanted well, hopefully you're not, yeah, hopefully you're not just killing. That's what you're describing is there's the good version of EverQuest and the bad version of yeah. EverQuest. If you're playing by yourself, it's bad. It's a very yeah. bad game to right. play by yourself. Um and it will not be fun and you won't get anything done. But there the thing about community, like forcing community in a game is that I remember the EverQuest community being very friendly. Yeah. And I was 10 years old and People were just very kind and there was a lot of like commerce that uh-huh. was happening in EverQuest because there were no, uh, you know, in, in World of Warcraft, you have like an auction house right. that is like, it's virtual eBay. Um, we, we did not have that for EverQuest. There was no mechanical way to like sell stuff besides like trading between two individual players that are standing in proximity to yeah. each other. You had to be in the same space right. in order to trade which meant that there was a designated part of the world that the players all decided on uh-huh. where people were supposed to meet up in order to trade. And it was just this, it's this giant tunnel that is really big for no reason. <laughs> and it's like super empty. Uh-huh. So maybe it could have even, I'm not even sure, like maybe Varent made that space because they knew people were going to use it and then told people to use it. Uh I'm not sure though. It seems to me like the players just decided like, Hey, that's where you go. Um, It's true on project Quarm as well, which is really fun. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, you just go there and then you'll see all these people that are talking about the things they're selling. You have to like hawk your shit. You can't just like, (laughs) right. You you don't, there's there's not a menu menu. to open. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You're just like out there saying like, here's what I have for sale. And here's the price. And then if you see that in the chat, you're like, oh, I like that. Well, now you have to go find that person. <laughs> you don't even know where they are. They're, they're in the tunnel yeah. somewhere, but then you got to see that name. And then you're like, oh, there they are. And then you go up to them and you say, hey, I saw that you're selling this for this price. Uh, I'll, I'll take it. Or you could haggle with them or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then you do the trade. And then, the, and then there you go. This is like the, this is part of the mentality that people like, uh, Bennett Foddy are always trying to get at, which is to say like jank can be part of it. You know, Bennett Foddy's whole thing is the jank is like a part of specifically the controls. But I love yeah. this idea of like the jank of the networking and the jank of how to interact with each other is the is the hurdle you're both trying to get over. And that's like the game. That's the that is right. the goal of what you're doing. My, my big desire recently has has been and a couple of people have shouted out some games that, that have this. And I, I know there's probably even more. But still, I want games where there's no map. There's you have a compass and you have like a paper map and you don't get to see like your image on the map as a little waypoint. You just have to like infer things and do orienteering. Like I want more games to have things in the way of the assumed like interaction like i want to do this but there's like four steps to accomplish that the steps are the fun part like that is the interesting thing i think in so many of these games maybe that's just all conceptually because also you could take all of these things hunter's describing and be like that's super annoying and it's really good they streamlined it eventually like it's dumb that you have to like 
go through all these you know weird hoops to do stuff but like i don't know nowadays that is the that's the memories hunter has of those things and of those experiences and i like i find that stuff really fascinating couple things so there is no map in everquest yeah that's great great. (laughs) uh so and what that means is that you have to pull up and this has been so much fun for project quarm there are these old hand-drawn maps uh or are they hand-drawn no they're just really crude maps that are online that you can look up uh and i used to have them all printed out in a binder (laughs) so the way it would work is i had a binder with all of these eq maps in them yeah and i could flip from like zone to zone to figure out like how to navigate and that was very important but you're getting to like kind of the the fundamental thing here which is that everquest was a crude crudely designed game that encouraged a social space and encouraged players to actually play together um, and it had all these janky aspects to it. Yeah. Now, I'm not trying to say the jank is good, actually. Right. But it had solved, to me, the most important design problem, which was how do you get all these people to play together? Yeah. When the second wave of MMOs comes, basically, I feel like the way they looked at it was, well, we can improve all these quality of life things. In improving that, they messed up the social aspect yep. of the game. Absolutely. And And that I do not... I do not truly understand. I don't know how to solve the deeper problem, which is how do you make a game that has a lot of quality of life stuff that makes sense, but still necessitates social play. Right. I feel like there has not been a game that has solved that problem. Right. Um, yeah. And so in a way for me, the first wave of MMOs is the only MMOs I'm actually interested in because they require a social space. Yeah. And I want that because why else would I play them? Because here's the thing. MMOs are crappy video games. Yes. I mean, they're just not actually very fun uh, to play. Right. But the point is you play them with lots of other people and then suddenly it becomes very exciting. Right. That's what Um, makes uh, it fun is the engagement with others and the stuff you come up with to do that becomes fun. Yeah. Yeah. The Matrix Online. That's another one. (laughs) That one. Man, there's so many city of heroes uh, city of heroes i played i played some city of yeah. heroes city of heroes in the day. was very cool yeah i mean the the character designer for city of heroes wild was so much fun unbelievably uh in, involved uh i yeah. played a i played a dc universe online with sun for a very short little oh, period yeah that was a trash video game that was pretty bad right. but you did get to like make your own it i mean it was in the city of it was attempting to be like city of heroes but city of heroes actually had like style and dc universe was just like it's dc i don't know man it, it's dc yeah. <laughs> look there's superman yeah. he's running around cool yeah, it's it's quite a shame that MMOs like sort of have gone the way that they have. Yeah. I feel like it's a space where there's a lot of room for experimentation, but it costs so much money. Yeah. I think to get to get like into that yeah. space that, yeah. that we don't I see mean, a lot of it. You've definitely seen like battle royale games take up some of that space as well. Like the big the, right. you know, those have a clear Fortnite. those Fortnite have a clear focus. MMO, For, Fortnite is an yeah. MMO and Fortnite is even, you know, doing more than even like the PUBG formula of just like let's get hundred people into a game and make them play. But that's right. like so much more obviously goal oriented where that Fortnite these days is just this like crazy vacuum of a thing or whatever but it is interesting how that legacy has lived on in like different formats and i feel like that's going to continue to evolve like i don't i i I am really interested in how that space continues to change over time with like big big games like that uh because if anything i i feel like fortnite's impact like i hope it ripples out so far there's mostly just been like Fortnite clones but you know i'm i'm interested in the things that are like what's the next step beyond that right in this sort of like way to engage in a multiplayer game or whatever yeah um but the the main thing i want to accomplish with this episode is just to let um everyone know that everquest is a game that exists uh check it out if this whole idea of like winding backwards uh in the history of mmos and kind of seeing like what was interesting about what came before world of warcraft mm-hmm. if you're somebody that played a lot of world of warcraft and fell off maybe it's time for you to kind of suck it up and be like all right i'm gonna play one of these like janky old like yep. i mean objectively crappy looking mmo yeah yeah, yeah. do not get me wrong right. here right. like it is not everquest is not some beautiful game that was like you know ahead of its time graphically or yeah. anything like that i mean it was probably the best that you could get at the time but at the time you couldn't get anything right you know what i mean right the standards were 
extraordinarily Very low. low. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> the fact that EverQuest worked at all was kind of the, the miracle yeah, yeah. of it. Right. If anything, that's like why people were putting up with that level of jank. It wasn't just like, oh, these kind of magical multiplayer things we're describing. This was the height of what multiplayer could do in 2000. Yeah. I mean, the, the, you played this because there was no multiplayer experience quite like it or whatever. Uh, and now it's just about reliving the sort of nuances of that interesting multiplayer experience. But at the time, it was the, the culmination of the decade before it. I spent so much time in my like early teen years thinking that MMOs were going to be like the only games uh -huh. eventually. And the reason that I thought that was because I thought eventually they'd be able to solve this problem, which was essentially to me that like all of the, you know how like when you're playing WoW or, or EverQuest or Final Fantasy 14, your character, there's like no real like, physics to it it, it just kind of feels like yeah. you do stuff and it hurts the other person yep. but it doesn't feel very like simulated right. there's not like there's not like actual interaction happening like you can't be like mario and like jump around yes. right like it it's very kind of floaty in that way and i thought well eventually mmos are going to solve that because i'm like playing everquest and thinking like well if this is the beginning yep. eventually we're going to have like complex like physics right you know and stuff like that and uh no we still don't have still don't. that really yeah. it's pretty nuts that that's that is true i mean if anything that that is in part again to bring up Fortnite, like the fact that you're like building stuff and interacting with other people it's like right. as close as we've ever gotten basically to that but it's still not kind of what you're describing here's my pitch for the next great wave of mmos you just you saying something sparked this thought in my head MMOs should be games that we that exist, but there should be games inside of those games, right? right. Just the notion of like, oh, yeah, you can hop on, you can kind of play anything. Well, uh, there's a little, there's a little company out there, a little known company out there called Sega, and they make this game called Yakuza uh, or Like a Dragon, and they put all their games inside of that game, and it's in like a real, like kind of a real lived-in city. And I'm just proposing that maybe Yakuza needs like its MMO variant, where all Sega games exist inside of it as well, and you can just play all Sega games in. You have to load, you have to boot up the Yakuza world, but then you can just play any Sega game that exists, and it exists inside. If if Maybe Yakuza becomes just the new Sega marketplace and it's the only yeah. way to engage with them as a company is to boot up their Yakuza game and play it and then that is what Sega looks like going forward. Matt, you just have such great ideas. <laughs> what a great idea you just had. Man, I don't know where you come up with this stuff. I really don't know where you get it. Where could you have gotten that? So crazy. So wild. You're like a genius. Thanks. I wish I could come up with ideas. Thanks, as buddy. good as that thanks i wish i could but obviously yeah. i mean i can't you, you know? have no ability to do that and i've never yeah. i've never heard good ideas from you and i wish i just wish you'd put in the effort i just don't yeah that's it classic <laughs> episode everybody classic episode you should thank our old richard's almanac oh yeah the poor richard's almanac i would love to thank oh, them yeah, poor richard's npc aaron anna Troc, cardinal billy brendan if then d anonymous sorry dm anonymous Jukebox, Hero, Magnanimous, Teddy's Jam for You, and Zest Appeal. Thank you all for your support on the Poor Richards Almanac. We love you all so very, very much. Yeah, thank you. Uh, also, some of those names are people that are contributing to uh, the kind of growing uh, EverQuest community within OGA. Yeah. By that, I mean there's like three of us. Um, if you want to play, like, please reach out. Yeah. We are going to start playing on a weekly basis in January. Uh, and I, I think we have to have like ten players at least. I was to about make to ask, kill. like, what is like the critical mass? Like, what is what is the number that really should be hit? If we were to set, here's my proposal: is if we were to set up a, at the very least like a goal of like we want to do this thing, and we need this many people to commit to making it happen. Like, what is that thing, and how many people is that? We don't have to answer that right now, but I, I would love to see that because that's that would probably be as much effort as I could put into it. Is the like we're gonna go do this thing, and I will play as long as it takes to make that happen. And then beyond that, I might have to bow out or whatever. But I'm interested in like some sort of OGA server goal we could do. Yeah, I, I mean, I just uh, let's just start with a guild. Yeah, as long yeah, yeah. if we if we get ten people together ten. and we make a guild on the server, then that that will be that will be cool. That's so, awesome. Yeah, we got there's like there's like four of us right okay. now. Okay, so come on board. Halfway get there, halfway there before even an episode existed. Come on, it's easy from here on out. 
Yeah, it'll be super easy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it, it's, it's going to be really fun. And like I said, we're only three months into it. Uh, there have been no major updates yet. Uh, you're still really getting in on the ground floor. Mm-hmm. You'll have, you know, six months to experience all of Vanilla EverQuest. And just so you know, there's not a lot. Vanilla <laughs> EverQuest is like, it's, it's a lot of really big zones that are kind of like not really that detailed. Yeah. You will... You'll get it done. You'll you'll feel a good um, amount of. Uh, I I pretty much understand Vanilla EverQuest. And then when the expansion comes out, the the first expansion, Runes of Kunark, there's going to be a lot more interesting content in that. I love that expansion. Uh, it has some of my favorite content that is in any MMO wow. is in that one. So yeah, got to check that out. It'll be really fun. That's amazing. Uh, next week is ho, ho, ho. It's time for a raw danger Christmas, everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what's going into that episode, but I know I'm pretty sure we're both playing raw danger. I hope I can get the whole game done. I probably can because last time I played raw danger, I kind of did like, I'll make sure I do everything, which gives me the freedom this time to make really stupid choices that probably cut a lot of the storylines off way faster than <laughs> how long it took me last time. Yeah, I I mean, last time I just went with whatever made sense to me, yeah. and I think I will just do that again, and yeah. we'll just see what happens. <laughs> I, I do not believe in, I'm never going to look at the, yeah. you know, the code no. for Raw Danger. I'm just going to play it, and it's going to spit out whatever <laughs> result it spits out. Um, so look forward to more raw danger coverage you needed us to talk about that game again (laughs) and for another hour Old Gamer's Almanac is produced by Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson with music by Knight Corey. If you liked our little show, consider giving us a five-star rating or heading over to patreon.com slash oldgamersalmanac. 